All right. So listen, do you know what we're doing today? My favorite topic. Star Wars. So excited. This is uh, part two, really, of uh, one of our more popular podcast episodes with the illustrious Steve, OG Steve. I mean, I don't know how we got on his calendar, but I am forever grateful. Absolutely. And we are here to talk all about Andor, uh, which there this could be a, a whole entire like season's worth of conversation in and of itself. Um, so we're probably going to dip our toes in and just, I don't know, well, wherever the stream takes us. Uh, but before we get started, we're here. We're queer. Now, now give, give me, me my, my entertainment. entertainment. So listen, Chris, I have a lot of things that I have to say, um, and it's just like, I feel like I'm going to word vomit all of this. So I need to try to, you know, chill a little and uh, and not just release all of the words that I want to say. But I do overall say, want to say, Andor, my, my high level critique, Andor absolutely surprised me. That's all I'm going to say. 100%. I'm going to just start. I'm going to start there. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that for now. Unexpected, unexpectedly great. Um, I almost think that Disney did a semi bad job on some of the earlier ones so that Andor could come in and be the shining star because they maybe it was in the back, like in the background, not a known character, not a known situation. Like the other ones had pretty big names in them with uh, Boba Fett and... Um, what was the other one? Well, Mandor Mandalorian is really good. Yeah, but the Mandalorian, in and of itself, it didn't have anyone big other than a reveal of a Yoda specimen, yeah. uh, someone who we have heard of from the past. The little, the littering of the the little um, guest stars that they had, and then the big reveal at the end of season two, which I'm not going to spoil. Um, you know, but Raisin, then he's losing his mind. Um, but I do think you're right about the fact that Andor had nothing and really no one. To, so it's to ride just on that. so surprising yeah. that it emerged the way that it did. But we always never introduce ourselves. We, we forget. Because there are millions of people they already know. You know but, what, uh, We know what we'll introduce for it the for one that person, million and one. Yeah, we wanna, I want to introduce myself. My name's Elias. My name is Chris. And this is the Airstreamers Podcast, and we usually talk about things that we've watched, played, read, consumed, you know, throughout the week. In this case, it's a little bit different because Andor has ended. We've already watched it. It has happened. Um, but we are here to talk all about Andor because we haven't specifically talked about the ending. And it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And joining us today, the really, I used the word illustrious earlier. Um, we can continue with that word, but also a huge Star Wars nerd is, uh, hold on. What happened? No. Should I unmute? Oh, um, I didn't know what was going on. I think what you need to do is let Raisin downstairs because that's a little yeah. it's loud. <laughs> Raisin has taken over the podcast. Um, but are, did you unmute or no? We have OG Steve, Steve Gisbrody here from the Airstreamers community. Welcome, Steve. Hey, it's so good to be back and uh, thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for being here. It's so awesome to hear your voice and it's so awesome to uh, hear your takes because we you know what aside from a couple of little moments the three of us have not fully discussed all there is to discuss about Andor and yeah, I don't even I think, think we've that's... been holding it all back for this podcast yeah I think we've I honestly think deep down we haven't had that conversation for exactly that reason um, and I do look forward to hearing what you have to say I want to hear your thoughts there was a couple of moments early on where I remember Maybe like all of us, but more specifically, you had sent a uh, comment about how it was moving uh, at a slower pace than you anticipated. But then there was like a turnaround. And I think we all felt that there was a moment in time where it shifted into something bigger than maybe what it started. So how do you feel about the beginnings, I guess? Let's start there of the show, Steve. Sure, sure. just to give a little context. So originally in 2016... I didn't love Rogue One, and I thought that at the time, I don't feel this now, that maybe this was the start of where Disney Star Wars was kind of a little different. Maybe going off the rails, all of a sudden, it wasn't like this kid-friendly universe that George Lucas created, but something gritty, something different. I didn't really love Rogue One, and when originally when Andor came out, Elias and Chris, I was kind of not really intending on seeing it, and... It was a lie, so it was your recommendation. You were like, hey, this is something that is different. This is really cool. You got to check this out. And when I did, I was really pleasantly surprised on how good it is, how mature, how intelligent. It really threw me for a curve, I got to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when the, uh, before it came out, because I do remember some buzz about like the first episode, I think they, they reveal, they released two episodes back to back or three i think it was three remember i think yeah and the reason they did that is because it was supposed to come out when it was supposed to come out about a month earlier but she hulk had come out and they didn't want to like lose you know they didn't want to like um what's cannibalize that cannibalize that's the word thank you for saying that they didn't want to cannibalize their their audience and so they pushed it off which i think then allowed them to play those three episodes back to back without the uh, affecting the overall schedule and i'm so happy they did that yeah i think that worked out in their favor because it yeah. really sort of at least got the the juice is flowing yeah, the juice is flowing uh and and so up until that point i'm so on board where i was uninterested i'm like why of all the people are they focusing on Andor? Which like, I had to think back to Rogue One, which um, I remember him in it. I remember that he was important, but like, I didn't really remember why are we devoting so much time and energy into this person? Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, yeah. and so then the show came out. I heard some great buzz. I heard some great reviews of those, those first three episodes and how it's very different than all Star Wars. And so when I was when I started watching it, I was like, this really does feel a little bit different. And one of the things I initially remember thinking was how much more grounded in reality it was initially. Like, I remember thinking... These are real people. These are relatable people. They all have sort of, maybe not, I don't know if it's relatable, but like we we felt like we entered a world that wasn't completely over the top, which like sometimes Star Wars can, can be. Um, and that's what really interested me to start. And I loved the practical effects that they used with the sets. I had remember reading how they did away from, what was it? The eyeball, the, the vault, something... 
whatever that like contraption yeah, is. Yeah, Steve, that, do you have you heard of that where Disney spent all of this money and built a they built like a it's like a studio, but it has uh it's basically a big screen. Yes, yeah, so uh, the Kenobi show and Mandalorian and Boba Fett yeah. sort of use like this circular set. It's like yeah. the latest technology. Do you remember the name of that set? Because I'm drawing a blank now. I'll uh, I'll I'll look it up and I'll. Uh, it's like the the vision vision or something. vault. Why is that coming to me? But no, the vault is where they store like a uh, little, little mermaid, yeah. and then eventually it emerges. Yeah. as like and Cinderella, Cinderella two, Cinderella three. Yeah, did you ever watch those? No, I didn't want to taint my love of Cinderella with the two and three versions. This is a serious hard left, but I loathed Aladdin 2, and I loved Aladdin 3. Really? Yeah. Because Aladdin 2, they didn't bring back the genie. or uh, but uh, The voice of the genie was not Robin Williams. Oh. How do you... What even is that? Unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Uh, Stagecraft, is that what you're referring to? No, that's not the name I'm familiar with. But Stagecraft, is that what it's called? Yeah, that's the technology that was developed for the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah, doesn't it do like crazy things where it was depending on where the cameras are, it's cr- creating perspective with yeah. environments like 360 degrees. It's so freaking cool, yeah. which I think that at the time, this probably benefited them so well during the uh, COVID time of filming because they didn't have to like go anywhere. They could have all just been like sequestered there and still get all the filming done. But there was an element. I mean, it's not that it bothers me or it's not even anything that's bad, but at some point as a viewer, you're kind of looking at this background and you're like, oh, that's cool technology or that's the stage crafting or whatever. You know what I mean? You realize that that's the screen. So when Andor had, they had built apparently a whole entire physical complex for them to record in. That was cool to me. And I noticed that immediately. And I thought it was very nice to be back in this sort of physical space rather than the digital space. Yes, Elias, and I think you hit on some really good points of that, especially what I want to go back to what you said earlier about it feels like it's very like the characters are like the, these working class, these low level people. Uh, there's no Jedi's coming to save you. There's no space wizards. There's no lightsaber va- battles. It's this very gritty, lived in world. The technology looks real. Things are being used. As compare this back to even. 15 years ago when we had the prequels, it's just to see like these practical effects really is quite amazing. It's almost, it's almost the opposite of the prequels. Like if you think back to those moments where they showed the behind the scenes of the prequels and it's literally just any which way is green. And then it's the actors just in this green space blows my mind that that's how that had happened. Curious. Like I, I wish that, you know, they have the director's cuts and everything that kind of tell the perspective and you get what they think is important to share with you. I am so curious if the deliberate choice to sort of use these uh, not as modern effects kind of leans into the grassroots nature of the rebellion that's happening Mm. in the show. And it feels less tech, technological it feels less like how long thought have you out. been sitting on that one that's a no good little something metaphor. steve said just sort of like like stirred that in me of like hey it when you do look at it from a high level even looking down at things they look scrappy like yeah yeah and Absolutely. it's and it just feels like it puts you even more so in that grassroots effort to try to overturn the the empire yeah 
Uh, and yeah. also another thing that's very interesting is just looking at the characters. Look at the Empire in this show. The Empire is terrifying. You're seeing them at the height of their evilness. This is Nazi Germany, basically. And it's scary and it's terrifying. And, for example, you go back to recent shows like Kenobi or uh, some of the later movies where you, these one-hit deaths on stormtroopers are almost comical. Here you see the Empire as the sinister agency. They're scary. It's really quite a different show and it's really absolutely yeah. even if you think of like the torture scenes that they have um with the sounds uh that they did on what's her name bix is that uh, bix, bix, yeah. yeah 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 i mean that that is not kid friendly like no. that is seriously traumatizing and like she looks defeated when she comes out of it and i don't think that we've ever seen that i mean if you think of leia when leia was tortured or when leia was in prison she came out from prison looking beautiful there was the kylo ren yes. torture scenes i want to point out and those were a bit more they were but race uh she still looked great after that even well, though she was uncomfortable in the moment she didn't look disheveled like bix did bix yeah. came back looking broken broken and i think that that's that is exactly why this show succeeds for me because the things they wanted to get across, they did in such a way that ended up feeling very real and felt genuine. very genuine. Yeah. And not something that we are saying she's broken because they're telling us she's broken. It's not that. It's more no, she's broken because she's broken. Yes, you know? absolutely. And that's what I think this show did so, so, so well. Right. And, uh, we're expecting a girl boss moment from Bix. She's going to break out of it, but it doesn't happen. I mean, it's very, it's very gritty and it's totally, uh, she was completely yeah. defeated. My, um, you mentioned the empire and I want to touch upon this idea of the empire being in their prime and their height and, and all of that. I had an excellent conversation with a student of mine that was talking about, we were just talking about how incredible it was to see the empire in this state. Now, my opinion, I don't know that they necessarily did anything that was as bad as like destroying Alderaan as an example, like in episode four to show their power. This was a lot more of this calculated effort of real people working these real jobs in the empire and, you know, doing their day-to-day -day tasks, so to speak. And my student brought up something so sort of profound about how it showed it in such a way where you could in a way understand how the folks on these remote planets could get wrapped up in the glamour, so to speak, of the Empire because there's job security, there's Absolutely. growth, there's money, there's uh, jobs, jobs in general, and like safe places to stay. And it's it goes back to this idea that things can move so slowly between civilizations, groups of people, whatever. And there are these in-between moments that things sort of don't immediately shift one way or another. And it it's almost like the question is, what's the breaking point? Like, when is the thing going to happen that's going to shift the gears? And I think we see that in our country. We're right at that. And watching the show was almost a little too real, you know, with what's going on in, in the uh, government. It was absolutely wild. And the fact that all of that can be discussed from the show of Andor totally blows my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Elias, and there's a couple of characters I really would like to discuss, too. Um, we have to take a look at Deidre Mero, who was the, uh, you know, the uh, imp female imperial officer. And, for example, you talk about, like, the Empire at the height of their powers. 
you know, she's this ambitious, career-minded imperial officer who is good at her job. And early in the show, we actually were rooting for her. We want her to, like, uncover the investigation and get to the bottom of it. But then when we realize how evil she really is, um, it, she become, it really becomes scary. And it's really just, like, these well-rounded characters that, like, They've come up here with on Andor, I would say. Yeah, yeah they, they Steve, have, like, the character arcs. Like, all of them have some sort of character arc. What were you going to say? I Sorry. think that's a great point. And, I mean, you're, you, you, Elias, you were talking about how they didn't do anything that was evil equivalent or at the level of destroying Alderaan. Mm -hmm. But if you think of that from the viewer's perspective, and very much so, even when you're reading things in the news and living, like, in this world you're disconnected from that when it's at such a macro level because at an individual level you you feel bad certainly but there's no perspective from the viewer standpoint of these were people who were actually impacted by the explosion of Alderaan other than Leia by mm -hmm. proxy but then when you think of like what Steve is saying with the the character development and the the growth of the imperial officer like the things that she's doing in these settings are immediately impacting characters who we know and who we've learned more about. And I feel like that makes it elevated in the in adult storytelling story yeah. compared to a planet was blown up and a million people that almost voices just, were silenced. Yeah, you know, it like sounds it sounds like, like it's too much to digest as a person to really mm -hmm. understand what is the impact of that. Yeah, it's. It, it, I just said it's comical to blow up a planet and kill people. That's uh, what I mean. Is it seems very like comic booky in a way, and maybe that's even the wrong word. It just seems like it's a story plot that needs to be told, and we're being told it rather than experiencing it. And is is what I'm feeling in that. Yeah, and, these, and this show, I think that all of the right uh, moves in doing experiences yeah. rather than telling you information. A hundred percent. And I enjoyed the structure of the show. I liked on a macro level that there was basically like three episodes at a time of a story that kind of shifted yeah. into like another set of a story and then another set. And all of it did connect really well, but it felt like there was room to breathe. And it wasn't like every episode was rushing to tell a story that needed to be told. I feel with the other Star Wars shows we've gotten so far, there have only been six episodes per show. And so I feel like, it's always a mad rush to get to the end of the story here. We had 12, I think, was it 12 episodes or 11 episodes? And I love yeah. that. I love that about it. Yeah, it definitely was a slow burn, but it was so worth well it. worth it. it would, would be in a series of three, like for example, in part one, we go to Ferex, Andor's mining planet, and then we're on Aldani for the heist. And then the next three episodes were over on, uh, Niamos, where where Andor gets where he's in prison, so it's like these little mini stories that are kind of like these slow buildups to like these mini finales, and then it resets and goes again. Kind yeah, of. and they're all different. I mean, the heist scene that was, was so very much like Mission Impossible type stuff, and it was like really well executed. And even the effects at and the end with the with the meteor shower that happens every so often or whatever that was such a cool. And visual. it still connected it back to the people and the the um local civilization that had their traditions that they had to honor yeah and it, it again brought it back to 
the empire and following the ways of the empire. And in those passing conversations, when the guards were like, just let them do their thing or whatever, it was sort of, we're here and we're watching you thank us because we're permitting you to continue to do this tradition. And in the end, it sort of ended up biting them and they, they did it again when they were on Ferrix and, um, wait, was it where, where was, a uh, um, where was the last scene um, where they did the, the, the funeral march? Was that Farrick? That was Farrick, yeah. That's, yeah, so they did a similar yes, thing yes. during the funeral where, where they were saying for the procession, we'll allow you to have this permit yeah. to continue the fu- fu- funeral. And it was this constant, thank you, Empire. You're allowing me to yeah. continue to live my life the way that I have you know, been brought up mm. to live it. So interesting i never thought about that. steve you mentioned something about characters and um you know the the development of them and the importance of them yeah droids are certainly a very big part of star wars storytelling what did you think of the addition of the the new droid um i that the new droid really touched me for example just the scene of when andor's mother i guess we're gonna have spoilers when andor's mother passes away, you see this droid that's literally traumatized and mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do with itself. It's it's really quite touching. Do you and know then, that? Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. And then even going back to the beginning of the story where they they originally did the, the droid before it develops the stutter. So you kind of get like this evolution of this character and it really was really touching in the end when the droid kind of didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to, didn't know what to do with itself after Andrew's mother had passed away. When the and also spoiler in the last episode when the um the guy goes over and kicks the droid, I I think I gasped out loud because I was like, oh no, yeah, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? I don't know what it is, but I find people in the Star Wars world and and in the world in general because we're gonna get there at some point when people can be so cruel and rude to like a droid it it speaks to a whole other volume of how awful you are I that's think they, how i think yeah i think this one i and steve i agree 100 percent that like i really like the addition of this droid um i don't know why i can't think of his name it's like um, b b b uh, something yeah C4PO. I, yeah, I don't remember. I, <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I thought you were serious. I'm like, what? Something B. No. But I think that they made a deliberate choice to give to give him voice, first of all. Because if you think of like BB-8, if you think of R2-D2, uh, you know, the beeps and the boops are conveying some emotion, but not really giving them a, a voice. The only yeah, dread that I can think, sure. yeah, the only dread I can think of is C three PO, and sometimes he can be grading B two emo, B two. I think they were, yeah. but okay. I feel like in this setting it really worked well in how they created the character around him, and it was such a nice pairing with the with the mother, um, giving him this like meek personality the stutter, the requirement to recharge, like all of these subtleties that happened in the creation of this character were really nicely done. 
Chris, did he remind you maybe of Wally a little bit? Next yes, totally. yes. Yeah, I didn't I think, so. think of that, yeah. but totally reminds me of Wally. You know the recharging mm. thing you said? It brings me back to an element of The Force Awakens that I never fully got on board with or loved, which was this idea that, um, that uh, R2-D2 has been in this dormant state and like ultimately gets i don't even understand what happens but like he gets the power to then show them where luke is yeah yeah it's it's never fully explained well now b2 emos i guess if that's his name his recharging thing also isn't explained however the fact that it's established that this is a thing he needs to do is enough for me to get on board with being able to say i think oh he needs to recharge yeah i I think it's another element that humanizes him because it's like he has to recharge he has to sleep in order and and i feel like it's all part of the the story like these little and that's what makes this so well told because all of these little subtleties that you can pick up on and talk about that we probably are picking up on half a percent of. Yeah, these sure. are all characters with motivations. Yes. And reasons. If I'll, I'll throw this out there, it's controversial, but to me, Andor is a flame mignon dinner, and maybe like the sequel trilogy is like a Big Mac. It's just, it's just, there's so much more depth and nuance to Andor than anything we've previously seen. Absolutely. It's so, it's such a complicated thing because I so 1000% agree with that statement, where it's one of them is this filling, full, deep thing, and the other thing is like a quick fast food element, right? It's just so interesting because. Episodes one, two, and three, their storyline shows the succession between what uh, an open democracy looks like into the establishment of a dictatorship in front of our eyes. Like we see that happening and Andor then continues that trend and we then see what's going on in Andor um, through the lens of what we know of episodes one, two, and three. And I don't think Andor would be successful. Maybe this is controversial. I don't know that it would be as con- as uh, successful as it. We all agree it is. If it wasn't for what's been pre-established in one, two, three, and four, five, and six. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And I think another interesting thing about Andor, like even compared to a New Hope. So take New Hope. Luke, there's a certain romanticism there. Luke Skywalker wants to go join the rebellion. Uh, wants to go blow up the Death Star. And Andor, it's so different. I mean, there's so many shades of gray. When you look at Luthen, I mean, he's literally ready to, like, kill people to, like, protect certain, like, operatives, keep plans in place. Um, there's no, like, good versus evil. There's just, like, these levels of gray. Compared oh, yeah, to it's so good. so good. It's so good. Luthen, we have to talk about Luthen. Yeah. Yes. That scene in, in episode, I don't know what, like seven or eight near the end of the episode where he's on a, uh, the rail and he's talking to the guy in the elevator. It yeah. confused me so much that me and Chris ended up going to watch the episode again. Not because what was being said was confusing. It was more so what were the, what were the intentions? Because now suddenly I'm like, wait, is Luthen a bad guy? But then I'm like, no, it's not that he's a bad guy. It's that he's so hung up on what he knows needs to happen that the lines get a little blurred between what he's going to do to do the right thing versus what a bad person's going to do to do their right thing. And it's almost the same sort of like motives because they both feel so strongly on 
what they need to have. Yeah, really at the core of it is like what is good and what is evil. Right. And I feel like a, a thousand shades of gray, like Steve said, is spot on. I mean, you really, sometimes you're you're not going to be good 100% of the time. Yeah. I mean, to the Empire, the Rebellion, they're a bunch of terrorists, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And I think that uh, also we got to talk about Mothma. Holy moly. That's yeah. what I wanted to get to. She yeah. was absolutely a star in what she did and how she acted and her motives and then the relationship with her husband. The scene. The daughter. Thinking back now oh to God, the chills. scene where she's introduced in the original trilogy, like what depth is there now? Right. From that. Sure. From that coming from this literally like, i just got chills thinking of watching because we haven't watched and that she's episode a great since. actress she's i phenomenal. mean she had she she's a really good actress she was able to show off a depth of range in her uh face like i was able to pick up on the yeah. difficulties that they both shared and especially when they went into the um the antique shop that essentially was the front for the whole thing and the whole operation and the way they could both very quickly shift from the like, oh, I'm here to buy a gift for my husband to like, we are close to a breakthrough in the rebellion. And and it's like an instant that yeah. they go through it is re absolutely right. I feel like they were doing more talking with their eyes during that yeah. than they were talking with their mouths. Absolutely. Like, so freaking good. And it also does, I know you said, Steve, you did not like um, Rogue One when it came out. Does this affect how you feel about Rogue One now? So I am purposely holding off on rewatching Rogue One until I have a chance to see season two of Andor, and then I'm going to reevaluate my uh, assessment of Rogue One. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I find, um, and, and this is sort of the crux of, of what I want to ask you both. I, I've been thinking about this. Um, I, I find that this show definitely enhances my awareness of what had been going on in rogue one and, and the importance of rogue one and whether or not it's a good movie in and of itself is a debatable topic but like the thing that happened ultimately which was the the, the death star plans get literally last second sent out to the rebellion and that's the reason why we have success right. in four five and six right so we established that that is in fact what happened in Andor, seeing the steps that need to be taken to get even close to that point is so freaking fascinating to me because it's nine million things that need to happen all in secret with no one knowing. People's motives need to be spot on. There can be no, uh, what's the word, like um, second guessing yourselves or anything because otherwise the whole plan will fall apart and it will be completely destroyed. So my, me and Chris refer to this topic. Um, we've mentioned it on the Airstreamers Twitch channel before, but I'm going to do my best to kind of um, describe it quickly. We refer to this thing called the last white blood cell. It's a term we've come up with, whereas in when you're sick and your body is now like using its blood, white blood cells to like heal you, um, there's a point in your sickness where we all agree you suddenly feel a little bit better and you're still sick, but you there's a shift in how you've gone from like, I'm only going to sleep on the couch because I have no energy to like, wait, I'm going to get up and be a little bit better. And it's that one final blood cell that shifts over to give you that feeling of, of <laughs> holy McMoley. What just happened? I don't Tater know if Tot? you heard that, Steve. Tater Tot just went nuts on 
<laughs> what happened? That was crazy. He just jumped on my desk uh, oh, 10 feet away from us and completely dropped all of my NES stuff or all of my um, Lego NES stuff. <laughs> I, I, I guess Tater Tot didn't like Andor. I guess, <laughs> I guess he did not like Andor. Um, I would say he's he's probably more on the Empire side, if I were to guess. <laughs> he's, he's, he would definitely be part of the... Uh, uh I, what's the name of them the crew the investigation the isb, crew. Yeah, the ISB, ISB. yes yes um <laughs> so the the question about the last white blood cell is what where do you think we are in the process of the rebellion in regards to them winning what is the last white blood cell in this moment have we have we achieved it yet or is there going to be more to come or is it the end of, of rogue one Perhaps I don't know, but where do you think we are at a point in which the tables will turn in favor of the rebellion? So, see if you can answer that first. I mean, my impression after watching Endor season one was we're still at the very beginning. Uh, the rebellion is still in its infancy. Uh, the character of Andor is now on board with the cause, and it's really season one is really just his journey where it starts off with he's kind of this reluctant kind of hero a drifter he he almost drifts along to like adventure to adventure and by the end of this the seeds are planted so i mean if you're looking at andor season one in my opinion i would say it's still very at the beginning but maybe maybe before something's about to go boom after uh what happened on ferrix in the uh in the finale yeah yeah i agree i think that it's still early days in it but i think that these are some of um, that last scene was so powerful with with the projection. Oh my god, that I chills thinking about that. Probably one of my favorite moments in Star Wars in a long time. I think it will be in my brain for a long time. That whole the the moment we saw the projection and what she said. Which, by the way, did we talk about what she was supposed to say? Steve, do you know this? No, no. So if you remember in the finale, the projection um, happens and she gives that really powerful speech about what it means to fight back and what it means yeah. to start the rebellion. And then Take she arms, ends it. Yeah. yeah. And she ends it with fight the empire, like go now and fight the empire. Supposedly all of the uh, people involved said that there is a uh, there is a version of that that was recorded that exists that. She said, and the writers, I guess, came up with where she said, fuck the empire. <laughs> and Disney was like, no, we're not cool with that. So they redid it to fight the empire. And so people are kind of joking around saying like, let's have the fuck the empire cut. We want to see the, oh, I that agree. cut. Yeah, right? Me too. So I want to see that too. But when she says fight the empire, it was just the most powerful moment. And that's when he took the freaking brick and with her her brick with her bones in it and and swipes at the guard oh my god it was so good so good so do you think that that scene is the last white blood cell or do you think i still don't think so i think that it's still planting a seed for something that something bigger is going to happen where they're maybe on that planet yes that could be considered too far away from everything but let's see yeah like imagine that it's not going to happen like this isn't going to change much that's going on on Coruscant or some, yeah. you know, something more prevalent. I think that in this, on that planet, yes, this is a very big turning point for them. Um, but I don't think that it's, it's a, the, the cascade, the start of the cascade with the, um, 
with the rebellion right. as a whole where like yeah. the rebellion is now in the winning seat or potentially yeah. in the on the path to the winning seat um before we wrap up one last thing steve did you happen to catch the post credits finale of the last episode Yes, I sure did. That shocked me, but not really because I think we kind of figured they were doing something like that. But what shocked me was the fact that we missed that. We did not see it. And then I had read a tweet or something that said this was, I think, before like Muskgate um, on Twitter when Twitter was still like worth looking at. And I saw a tweet that said something about the post finale credits or whatever. And I'm like, what? And so we started watching it. And the moment we saw what was going on, Chris was like, this is the Death Star. They're building for the Death Star. And you actually had called it early on. No, when they were in the prison, pieces. I was like, this is got, if these components are that important that they're literally executing floors of people because yeah. they're not complying like they, and they have quotas. And I'm, I said early on, I'm like, they've got to be building some component yeah. for the Death Star. So, we should talk about Kino Loy really quick because Andy Serkis really was such an oh, amazing character. Oh, so, so good. good. So, so, so good. And he represented so much. And I think that you could see it in his face the moment you he recognized no one's getting out of there. And yes. it, they're so quick to kill an entire floor of people to just keep them quiet. That to me was a real big moment in recognizing from not just our perspective, but the people in the world's perspective of just how bad the empire really is. That was the first real sort of like bad thing that they did. And then the whole rebellion. Oh, yeah. It's sort gave. of the same thing that, you know, if you think, okay, the projection speech was the event that kicked everything off there. And then you had the same thing in a totally different setting in, in yeah. the prison scene where the Empire used his skill set to drive quotas higher. He was literally a floorman that was driving quotas higher because he was good at commanding people. And then they made the mistake of asking too much. Like if they had if they had let them go and bring in a new crew and say you've served your time and bring in a new yeah. crew. They asked for too much and it ended up biting them in the end because yeah. the, he literally used that skill set now to overturn everybody in the in the prison. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he, he was literally the poster boy of that whole system until he realized he was never getting out of there. Yeah. And then the and, irony of him not being able to swim. I have a little bit yeah, of I, I, I liked that. how his fate is unknown. I thought that was very clever. Maybe he's alive, maybe he's dead. Yeah. I think that what they were trying to go for, for me, was this idea that no matter what, even if you push your hardest, sometimes there's going to be this this moment where like some sort of blockade stops you from moving forward. And that's a reality of, of life. And sometimes that happens. But I do think it didn't resonate fully with me because in my head, I just kept thinking like, there's 5,000 people there. I'm sure there's someone who can carry like two people. Do you know what I mean? Like there's enough people to be able to help him yeah, but like what, what Steve said is his fate is unknown. Like right, it right. cut away, so you don't know if that happened after the fact. And we may not. It's not we like may never. Know. It's not like we saw him on the tower yeah. going down with the structure. It's yeah. like we don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that. Yeah, I agree. We should never know. There's too much in modern Star Wars where they have to like flesh out every backstory. Let his be a little ambiguous. I, I love. I that. agree. I love the idea of keeping things ambiguous in the show. Um, 
it didn't do it a lot, but when it did it, it really worked. Uh, one final thing I want to say, it's so rare to see, first of all, any gay couple situation on Star Wars ever. Like, that's first stop. The only time we ever saw it was in a situation where, it, what was it, in episode... Episode eight, 9. 9. Right, at right the end, when we saw just a couple kissing in the background, like, that was it. Blink and um, you miss it, basically. Yep, yeah. and furthermore, and this is where Disney has changed quite a bit, but furthermore, um, they, at the time removed that scene for the Chinese movie audience and for other countries that didn't want it in there, which is just baffling. But now Disney has sort of doubled down and, and it's a whole different world that we're living in. And I'm so happy to be a part of that. But in this, we got to see this incredible couple um, and it was so well told. And it's so rare, first of all, to see that. But then second of all, to see that she would do something so wild as in just walk right up to someone and slash them right in the stomach because she needs to do that. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. Was powerful. And I was like, you go, this is incredible. And it was a moment where you saw that not only can a queer character be in star Wars, but be incredibly strong and powerful. It's you don't see that. And the fact that that existed in Andor, you know, I still feel like it was better than it should have any right to be. And Elias, this brings up a great point, is like why we need these kind of shows to succeed and to find an audience. Otherwise, Disney, what we go back to shows about Baby Yoda and all, like we, we go back to the Big Macs, we need we need the filet mignons to succeed. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So listen, we're going to get going to prepare for yes. our Twitch stream. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on again. I can't wait to do this once more. Who knows, Andor season two or uh, I don't know, a million other Star Wars properties that are coming out. Ahsoka is coming out. Not soon, yeah. but that's going to happen. And I can't wait. I love Ahsoka as a character. She's probably my second favorite storyline other than um, the, you know, the whole like Ewan McGregor that whole trifecta of the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i love 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 ahsoka so yeah steve we'll i can't there. thank you enough you are an absolute gift and a fantastic friend thank you for taking time out to talk with us you have such amazing insight on this and it's been a real pleasure yep thank you so much for having me and likewise i had a great time all right well thanks folks for tuning into another episode of the airstreamers podcast and we'll see you again next time bye everyone see ya bye Oh, 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 o